Good afternoon, this is Gary Kavner here on TRSI. I'm here today with my friend and colleague Michael Dwyer. Today is the 28th of June and it is a glorious day because after our long national wait, a government has been formed, the prophecy has been fulfilled and Michal Martin has finally been elected Taoiseach of this country. Now is the summer of our discontent made glorious by the son of Cork. Before we we actually touch on that, there is one quick point I wanted to to say. Just a bit of a shout out here, actually. Um, During the week, it was decided that the National 1798 Rebellion Centre, which is down in Enniscorty, I believe, was going to be sold off. The Edinburgh Institute wrote to some of the councillors down there Saying that we thought this was a this you know, not saying this wasn't something that shouldn't be done, but saying kind of look, there may be other options here. But by the time we actually sent that letter, the councillors had already decided that they were not going to back the sale. So the National Seventeen Ninety Eight Rebellion Centre remains uh, in Enniscorthy. Now the reason we were interested in it is because, well, obviously the main purpose of that centre is the Seventeen Ninety Eight Rebellion. It also has what I think is the only publicly viewable uh, exhibition on what was called the Great Debate, de- the debate between Edmund Burke and Thomas Paine, on effectively the rights and responsibility of people, of communities and of countries. Yeah. It was a core part of the development of Western political philosophy on both the left and the right. And we don't really talk about it in Ireland, even though Edmund Burke was Irish, because, you know... We just we just don't like to do things like that. So just a, a quick kind of uh, hat tip to the, uh, the to the Wexford County Council for deciding that uh, they were going to keep the facility open. I mean, the plan had been to 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 sell it off to a private developer who was going to put like a small. They're going to move the exhibitions to the to the castle where. Some of them might have been on public display. Most of them probably wouldn't have been. And then they were going to put up another... Is it Eileen Gray, Michael? Is that the architect? Uh, well, the architect, furniture designer, which is most famous for she. There's, there's actually a very nice Eileen Gray exhibition in Collins's barracks, you know, which is the military, but also the... Oh, God, I can't remember the, the official title, but, you know, fabrics and furniture, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So they were gonna they were gonna knock down, or well, not maybe not knock down, but they were gonna take all the exhibitions from the National Seventeen Ninety Eight Rebellion Center and including the thing on the Great Debate, and they were gonna replace it with some very nice looking chairs. But they are very nice looking and very, very. If you have one at home, by God, it's like winning the lottery. She made the furniture for Le Corbusier's famous house in the south of France. She didn't much much, but she's enormously sought after. Um, by the way, Gary, I just on the subject of the pain, uh, <laughs> pork debate about the revolution. I don't know. I have to just have to mention this. If you were, if you came across this on Twitter over the last few days, somebody had made some on sort of uncomplimentary comment about the French Revolution and saying that you know what we were seeing, I whether it was in England or the United States, was just another iteration of the of the French Revolution and people several people text oh yeah like you didn't notice like the French Revolution was like based on the principles 
of equality, fraternity and liberty and led for the destruction of a despotic monarchy and the establishment of democracy in France. <laughs> none of which, none of which is technically untrue. In the same way, if I were to say the Titanic had a great start to its maiden voyage. Exactly. It, it wouldn't be untrue. Wouldn't be untrue. It's just leaving out what happened afterwards. Sam Bowman, I think it was, commented on, on one of these things, tweeted, he said, I won't tell you, but you will be a flabbergasted about what happened next. You know, it's, you know, spoiler alert. The next part is really going to blow your mind. It, it worked really well until everyone died. Until the terror. And actually, you know, again, some of the language coming out of, you know, the language of your, the irredeemable nature of whiteness and whiteness and you, we're all guilty and all that. There was one comment, I, I can't remember now, but it was really close. There's a famous speech that Robespierre gives to the assembly when he's really getting the you know getting the, the the old terror going and he's talking about revolutionary justice it's one of my favorite quotes of robespierre's where he says any man that fears revolutionary justice is already guilty <laughs> they go if you weren't fearing revolutionary justice before by god you were fearing it then Sadly, Robespierre himself was to fall victim to revolutionary justice. And thank God the revolution was saved and democracy flourished under Emperor Napoleon. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that was the perfect end to the French Revolution. Everyone died and then there was an emperor. Not only an emperor, but an emperor who went around, he made himself king of Italy, I think. Or did he? Joachim Morat was made, I think, uh, king of Naples, king of the two Sicilies, maybe king of Naples. His brother-in-law, Count Bernadotte, was made king of Sweden. And, in fact, the present royal family in Sweden are still the, are descent, are still the same. They're still the Bernadotte family. They, they survived. But all around Europe, he just scattered Bonaparte's around the place. And if he wasn't going to be king, well, somebody in the family was going to be king. Uh, it was a great uh, success for liberty, equality, fraternity, democracy, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a point where all of Europe became engulfed in warfare, that people were like, you know what? This is just the path to a glorious future. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was a, it's a, so a shout-out to the... The good folks there. So, the government. Yes, it's... Uh, I was saying I, I was saying to you, I think, earlier, Gary, and others on social media, that it's actually... It's a day when we should reflect on it and think, you know what? What was the it, that Obama phrase? Yes, we can. And something about hope. Hope and... Some, what, isn't that ridiculous? Everybody was just repeating it constantly at the time and now i can't remember what it was i i mean i feel it was change you can believe in but that may also be the slogan of a mid-tier bank or a, a number one hit by shaka khan i'm not sure either it could any maybe all all of the above anyway uh you know a lot of people i think had long since given up 
people had lost faith in something they had believed it could never happen but Fine Gael worked hard Fine Gael persevered Fine Gael they kept on believing and as a result of their belief and as a result of their work Michal Martin is Taoiseach today and I think that's wonderful because you know I'd so many people just thought that was never going to happen. So I think that's we should applaud that. And I would adopt, I think I suggest people adopt the hashtag. Uh, miracles do happen for this. I, mean, I, I think we have to, we have to realise Finnefal's negotiating genius in this. So Martin becomes Taoiseach. That, that goes without saying. That's the core of this project. He becomes Taoiseach during a period when the COVID-19 payments were going to stop. The economy will be at the greatest risk of total structural collapse it's ever going to be. But not only does he get that, Michael, not only does he get to be the person who's there when this thing falls apart, he also negotiates for the Department of Health and the Department of Housing. Also remember, Gary, there might be a second wave. And the Ministry for Public Expenditure and Reform, yeah. which is now uh, McGrath is in that position. Do you think Finnegale told them that they wanted health and housing? You have to imagine that the scene was something like this. They took Finnegale into a room and they showed them. You know that you know that scene in the the one about the where they find the uh, the Holy Grail. What was that called? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was it? Mm. And if there are all these various cups, they have to pick the right cup. I imagine Finnegan was a point something like that and said, and here, Michal, we've a selection of poisoned chalices. Would you like to pick one? And Michal said, no, I won't pick one. I want all the poisoned chalices. Or he just looked and went, I mean, poison is old-fashioned. Have you got something radioactive? Because <laughs> I'd just like to kill everyone in the room, actually. What was that thing the Russians used to kill that journalist? Oh, um... Polonium? Was it Polonium? It? I think it was Polonium. Uh, something like that. It's 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 tremendous. Health, uh, which is obviously beyond salvation, but not just beyond salvation because they've also chosen to sign up. Implement Slanchiker. Slanchiker. <laughs> Despite the fact they've no money for it, and even the people who negotiated the deal said that the figures don't add Nobody up. Nobody knows On what it TV. means anyway. On TV! <laughs> And that didn't kill the deal. No, 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 no. Not a worry. I did I did like seeing the strokes each party pulled to get this thing over the line. Because they were all very much of the party that did them. So the Greens just allow telephone voting. They, they massively expand it beyond what it's meant to be at a very late stage. And then they just lobby incredibly hard and they get it over the line. Yeah. Fine Gael, which... I've been looking at Finnegal's party constitution, trying to figure out why they held the vote in the first place. Because people were telling me there is a there is a constitutional requirement in Finnegal to have a vote. I can't find that in their party constitution. I can't find anything that says the electoral college will vote or has to vote on a program for government. Can't find anything at all. So I think they might have just done it because why not? It looks good optics but then because it's not in the constitution because the constitution says there has to be a secret ballot right anytime the electoral college comes up 
but because it isn't constitutionally mandated, Fine Gael don't have a secret ballot. They, in fact, number all of the ballots, and then they create a spreadsheet with the numbers of every person that they want to know uh, the direction they voted in. And then, of course, the fact the ballots are numbered is prominent on the ballots themselves, so everyone votes the way you want them to vote because, well, it's not a secret ballot. Well, everybody that might potentially want a job at some stage in the future votes the right way. I, I was trying to imagine, can you, Gary, can you imagine if you were having a secret ballot in the Tory party in Westminster, right? And it came out at some stage that actually the ballot sheets were marked and back in Smith Square, they had a, they had a spreadsheet to see who was breaking. I really do believe there would be blood on the tiles. Tory MPs would march to CHQ, find who had done it, knock him to the ground and crucify him. It would, it would be inconceivable. Just inconceivable. No, I'm not saying that there might be somebody in the party who would love to try it or might do something similar, but if they're going to do something like that, they would. it would have to be so much more subtle and so much more clever. But simply putting bloody numbers on it and then recording it, that, uh, and then it comes out and there's zero reaction. Nobody cared. The interesting thing there is that there were multiple people with that story who were leaking it. And by the time Gripped reported it, but by the time it got to Gripped, we knew that at least one of those people had gone to the Examiner, the Independent and the Times. The Irish Times. Yeah. And none of them would publish it. No story. Despite that person having the actual documents, ah. both of them were in positions where they would have access to those documents. So not a story. So it was, it was just decided they weren't going to cover it. Now, that, that also leads us to Finna Fall. Yeah. So the Finna Fall thing was interesting because we got to the day of the count and people started saying things were going a bit oddly. Like, how did you hear about this, Michael? Uh, which bit? The vote going oddly or the Finna God? The Finnefall approach to it. The the Finnefall, I mean, up and at them, we just want to do this thing first in the morning. I got approach to voting. I, I heard about it first. I, I got it. I got a text early in the morning saying that uh, people that they would have expected to have been there weren't there when certain things were going on. Mm. That uh, there seemed to be uh, the timing of the. Be- the, the timing of the opening of the boxes and the people present when the boxes were opened seemed to surprise people. Yeah, there, there seemed to be a, a very last-minute change to the time some of the counts were happening. And um, some of the people, more prominently on the no side, accidentally, I'm sure, seemed unaware of those changes. So by the time they got there... A lot of the votes have been counted. Indeed. A lot of the yes. boxes have been opened. Now, of course, we wouldn't ever imply any sort of impropriety. No, 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 absolutely not. But it is just weird that every person I've talked to who didn't know the times were changed came from the no side. Uh, Particularly considering, based on the final vote, you think there'd be far less of those people 
than there were the yes people. Indeed. And yet none of them seem to have uh, had any timing issues. Odd, odd that. But let's face I mean, we want to be clear here. This is not the United States. This is not the Democratic Party in Chicago under Mayor Daley, where ballot boxes are being opened early and ballots are being stuffed, you know, in order to get President Kennedy elected. That that kind of thing obviously wouldn't happen in Ireland. That's not going to ha- We're not talking about that. I mean, the membership of Fianna Fáil wouldn't stand for something like that. <laughs> what the membership would or wouldn't do, I don't know anymore. So, I mean, I think that's unfair. Let's say that Fine Gael and the Green Party had strokes and Fianna Fáil had an overabundance of determination that the vote be carried out in a very efficient manner. That was inappropriately, or not even inappropriately, so not conveyed to all members through accident. In the good old days, when Charlie was leader, for a start you didn't consult the party, you you talked to the parliamentary party and that was it. And Charlie didn't, it was much easier than organising slips of paper and pens and biros and stuff. Charlie just looked and said, okay lads, hands up, who wants me out? Hands up who wants me to stay. It was much easier that way. And I'm sure the people in the party appreciated that. That kind of frankness. you know, No need to be. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, I think this will say... Fianna Fáil, Michal Martin was saying it might not be possible to have a vote of the membership at all. If you remember, Michael. Oh, yeah. That it would be, be too difficult. The Postal Service couldn't handle it. And I think the fact they were able to get these votes... So much of the votes uh, counted in... You know, the half hour to an hour before the people who hadn't heard of the new time got into the building really shows that Michal Martin, when he puts his mind to something, can really push the party in ways that uh, levels of efficiency. Yeah, well, you're talking about. uh, I I mean, wouldn't have wouldn't have expected. And I can only you know I can only tip my hat to him on that. Party has always been very good at things like tallies and counts and stuff. It's always there's a deep a deep well of professional experience there they know how to do these things they just get on they get it done i have to seamlessly say, actually i've got to, i've got to admire their ability to just without any issue or anyone throwing a strap or confusion you just get it done i have to put my hands up here now i never believed that this government would be formed i never believed that there would be uh if all Taoiseach and Michal Martin Taoiseach in, in the, with Fine Gael in it. It never made any sense to me that Fine Gael, where they were in the polls, would concede this. Uh, I always assumed that there would be a, a a deus ex machina, you know, with one leap they would be free and the whole thing would collapse. However, now that we are here, there are a couple of observations I suppose we can make, Gary. A lot of people talking about, you know, it's history making and it's realignment and all that. I suppose that's true. It seems to me that one thing we can say is the civil war is over. And Fine Gael won. Michael, when you're, you're looking at an old school Fianna Fáil man, when you're looking at uh, the next election and how it made no sense for Fine Gael to go into this election and then give the being the Taoiseach to Fianna Fáil, despite the fact they're at this point probably like three times their level in polling. Yeah. And uh, then look at Michal Martin as Taoiseach and health and housing as their core departments and think, oh, 
Maybe there was a point going into this. Yeah, I, I think this. I think there's a strong argument you could say if we let if we want to get out your crystal ball. I know Gary doesn't like using his crystal ball, but I get mine out, and I'm going to make the prediction that this is effectively the end of Fianna Fáil as we have understood them historically as a party. Fianna Fáil will develop into something a bit like the Labour Party was in the 60s and 70s, where it'll be a loose association of rural TDs that have a strong personal vote, people who come from dynasties where they have a, a, very, a very strong, very well-organised local uh, machine. There'll be constituencies where you still have the remnants of a, of a larger-than-average core vote. And they will chundle along... Considering that everything about Fianna Fáil, and in, in, including this, has been about an obsession with going after a certain kind of vote in Dublin, I can't see this has been anything but the death of Fianna Fáil in Dublin. Why would you vote for them? They're, they're going after the vote which is being shared between the Social Democrats, the Greens, Fine Gael, Labour and Sinn Féin ab- across certain parameters, you know? But no, that's a, an odd bunch, you could say. But to maybe take Sinn Féin. I believe in Sinn Féin. There, there, there's a reason for your voter to vote Sinn Féin. There's a reason to vote Fine Gael. There's a reason maybe to vote Green. But I can't see increasingly why people who haven't historically voted for Fine Fáil will look at them and say, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think them. I think that they have, they have the unique selling point that I'm looking for. They have that particular philosophical disposition or outlook that I want in a party that's going to make me good. There will be probably TDs will be returned from Dublin. People who are personally popular or again have are very good at campaigning or do really good work on the ground, you know, constituency wise. But as a political party presence I don't see it. I don't see it at all. But we sh- we shall we shall we shall see. A friend of ours used to comment, and uh, which and I didn't agree with him at the time. He says that the Fine Fáil are now engaged in a process where everything is geared towards making sure that it's not true that fin- that uh, uh, Michal Martin is the first leader of Fianna Fáil not to be elected Taoiseach. And as a consequence of that, he will actually turn out to be the last member of Fianna Fáil to be elected Taoiseach. And I think there may be a very good uh, argument for that. Can you, I mean, just, okay, it's kind of pointless, but right now, it's very hard to see a scenario in the future where Fianna Fáil is going to come out with a bigger vote than either Sinn Féin or Fine Gael. No, I mean, they... This is a really like having seen the actual breakdown of of ministries. I think this is a lot better for Fine Gael than it is for Fianna Fáil, and all of this. Oh, they're in power together. I think Fine Gael, based on their ministries and the fact that they're not Taoiseach, that in its own is going to give them a lot of cover for these things. And Leo leaving on such a high note mm-hmm. is going to make it very easy to blame everything on Martin when all of this comes home. And then when the health service collapses, yeah. won't be Harris's fault. No. It'll be Donnelly's fault. And the fact that they've said they're going to implement Slauncher Care, a plan which doesn't work and isn't properly costed, and 
just isn't going to happen kind of handcuffs them uh, away from actually being able to solve the problem. Like if they could actually fix health, if they can actually fix housing, that's something. Now, Darrow O'Brien is not a bad guy. I mean, maybe he can do something on that. Who knows, though? And, I mean... So they've got they've got Barry Cowan in there as well. Barry Cowan. They've Norma Foley, who, to be honest, I don't know a thing about. In education? Yeah. I believe she was a teacher at some stage. Right. Don't know anything about her. And then they've McGrath in public expenditure and reform. You said slaunch care is not costed. That's true. Well, parts of it are costed. A lot of it is we'll set up a committee to find out how much this will cost well, well, By the way, the number of committees that are going to be set up as a consequence... Of this is absolutely hilarious. Gary, nothing in this programme for government is costed. I have, have you ever seen a programme for government or a budget even, or anything in government, where so much has been just, it, oh yeah, we'll have more of that and we'll do this and we'll invest in that and we'll spend money on this. They're behaving as if we were Ireland 2004, where we had... An external debt down to 20%, where we were running current account surpluses and the economy was growing at 10% a year. It's like we have this, and the world economy is trundling on in, in a jolly old fashion. This is the most spend, spend, borrow, borrow, spend, spend I can ever remember. I mean, maybe the 77, I don't know. Some of the projections I've seen coming from British banks as to what they expect to happen in Britain is you're talking like once in a century levels of recession. It's just economic devastation. And Ireland is a trading nation. We, we rely on trade very heavily. No. And let's hope this is true. Just as an aside on that subject. There was an interesting story today in the Financial Times, which was using the data on the latest figures compiled by Morgan Stanley, which they say are actually surprisingly positive. And that we are, look well, that Britain and then possibly the global economy is rather surprising, or indeed very surprisingly, looking at the, the fabled V-shaped recovery. V-shaped recovery. Leaving that aside... For the moment, the British also were producing the British Civil Service and the Chancellor were put, producing numbers uh, regarding the reduction of carbon emissions, right? And they're going on the basis of bringing Britain towards a position of being carbon neutral by twenty fifty, okay? Mm-hmm. Which is a far, as far as I can see, far less ambitious plan than a year-on-year reduction of seven percent in, in in emissions. That we're looking at. And they're, they're, they're costing that in, in the UK at one trillion. That was the T word, not the B word, Gary. You heard it right. One trillion pounds. Now, bigger country, bigger economy, bigger problems, obviously. But even if you scale it down, you're talking about costs. In a terribly fragile, massively indebted economy, in a world economy which is in a very parlous state indeed. And this, a point that you have made before, Gary, on this podcast and other places is something that I think that people don't really reflect on enough, which is modern economic 
facts, modern economies, modern civilization is based more than anything else on energy. It's high energy use. I can't remember who said it, but somebody, one economist famously said that the Industrial Revolution happens when we trans when we manage when we move away from using slave power to using coal power when we discover when we start we start to be able to harness the use of coal and other substances but particularly coal as this dense portable source of high energy just your 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 iPhone your pad your laptop just those things alone I think people have no sense of how in energy intense our lives are. And if you're looking at that kind of reduction without some kind of miracle, how you can achieve that without really significantly impacting on the size of this economy, I don't know. And nobody has made any attempt, any attempt, to put a price or a shape on the cost of the, 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 the commitment, those commitments, even though they are backloaded. Which is maybe suspicious, but... Because they don't know. No one knows. But they haven't even made an attempt to do it, Gary. Somebody could have... They could have brought out a model. They could have... Uh, surely to God... God, the world is full of modelers. If you bring out a model, someone is going to look at it and go, that doesn't work. Like, that just... Those numbers... They just... They don't... They don't make sense together. Like, Nisa Horrigan. One of the Green Party negotiator. One of the Green Party negotiators of this deal. Goes on TV says that she's going to vote against it because over five weeks she has tried to understand the numbers on it and they don't make sense. They just don't make sense. They don't add up. You can't do everything the program for government says it will do. Fiscally just doesn't add up. She's the Green Party finance spokesperson and we just ignore that. That just doesn't get much coverage. It gets a little bit and then we just move on and it doesn't matter. Doesn't, just doesn't matter. Everyone had decided that this was the government that had to be. I think that may have been biased by the fact that this government, this program for our government, made certain promises about funding of media services. That's a very cynical notion, Gary, that it's, that the media in Ireland could be as simply base as that, just for the sake of a few, a few silver coins. I mean, I know it is said that you don't have to worry about bribing the media because god look what they'll write for free yeah but i'm just saying that you know somewhere in the back of your head when you're considering the money that your industry has lost over the last couple of months and how it's not a great time to be to be involved in the industry people are losing money advertisers are pulling out and the government simply says oh well if we if this government exists we will simply give you a great deal of money because you're really important you are, you know, you are a, a core part of democracy. You have never been so, so important, in fact, with all that horrible internet stuff happening out there. And they tell you you're great and they've got cash. And then, you know, a couple of stories that might derail or in some way push back the chance of this happening don't get published. You don't, you don't have to do anything. You just have to not do something. When, when did this stop being an issue com- completely I, mean, I was listening to people on talking about from the green perspective talking about their e- encounters 
with the Department of Finance where they're saying that what Fine Gael was saying wasn't what they had heard. In the, the briefings they got in the department, it said, oh, we are at historically low levels of uh, interest rates. That we can borrow now and the next number of years and it's not a problem because the, the, it, the money's almost free. Because I think we already have unprecedented levels of indebtedness. The only thing that saved us from going absolutely tits up in this last few months was the fact that luckily personal indebtedness in the country was much, much lower levels than it had been maybe 10 years ago. They say, oh, it's okay. Because, you see, <laughs> what they're going to do, Gary, is they're going to borrow this money, right? And what are they? They're going to invest it. It's going to be a, an investment. And as I think Eamon Ryan keeps telling us, all this green stuff is actually going to generate income. Ge- all this investment in this in infrastructure and in R&D and inventions. It's going to be just wonderful. We're going to make money out of it. Governments love talking about investing and people who want to go into governments and want to spend money love talking about investment because investing, I think, polls much better than spending. If you say the government's going to spend another 30 billion on something. Yeah, Yeah, because investment, spend, piss your money into a hole. In order of public preference, I said once about some a, a, a proposal back at the time of the Great Crash that it was m- much like pissing in a colander. You ruin the colander and you don't even save the piss. And I think that that's what we're looking at. But the, if people are so confident, and this is what I, it's one of the great paradoxes, isn't it, Gary, about the nature of democracy? People are willing to vote for these people to do this stuff, right? And yet, if you ask people about their opinion of how competent or reliable these people are to tie their own shoelaces or sit the right way in a toilet, people are very sceptical about that, indeed. So, my suggestion is this, that if people really believe in all of this, borrow and borrow and borrow to invest, all those people who think that this is a good idea should hand over their pension funds to the Green Party. And they'll be invest- They'll be responsible for investing so that they will have a comfortable retirement. Because if you're happy and confident that these people actually know how to spend money, rather than just spending other people's money, I think it's important that you show that confidence and allow them in investing your money. Right. The other thing here is, on the energy thing, other countries have tried. Other countries were way more efficient political and civil systems have tried and they've crashed and they've burned germany 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 spent oh let's see a couple of years ago they were on 150 billion yeah annualized subsidies of around 9 billion a year at which they had at, at, it was 150 billion had already been spent subsidizing alternative sources of energy principally wind energy but also solar and what they gotten for that was a substantial increase in the price of power and massive dependency on coal and by god i think that was about it actually was it last year a couple of years ago they start they decide they had to open up 
the seams for open cast mining for brown coal in the northeast of Germany. And brown coal is just about, if you're talking about particulates, particulate pollution is one of the worst things for air pollution that you can possibly burn. But because of the complete failure of everything else, and also because the Germans, after the Japanese, was it, I want to say Fukuyama, but Fukuyama is the end of history. Help me here. The Japanese nuclear accident. Fukushima. Fukushima. The Germans stopped using all nuclear. And they stopped before us, but they certainly stopped after that. So they were they were left with what they were left with. Yeah, they rapidly scaled back after the uh, Fukushima disaster, which amusingly enough led to a uh, substantially increased reliance on coal because the renewable energy systems actually just couldn't produce that much power. Or, well, couldn't produce it and then couldn't produce it at the right times and it couldn't be stored and it's just... It, yeah, actually, I think that that's one of the things that really annoys me about the modern grieve movement. It's largely due to these people that nuclear energy is just seen as this absolute pariah that cannot be involved. But then when you look at their plans for energy sustainability, it is very difficult to see how they are in any way achievable without a massive amount of nuclear energy. And nuclear energy is, again, incredibly safe. And incredibly efficient. Have you seen, by any chance, Michael Moore's latest movie on the this the issue of power and the climate? I I haven't, but I, it seemed to annoy everyone. So well, yeah, it's actually not bad for Michael Moore because he 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 actually teases out the the truth, shall we say, the truth in the news, the actual consequences of pursuing these kinds of policies. And he makes it absolutely... Now, I don't think that Moore has a particular problem with the consequences. That's what makes him different to, shall we say, most your average politician in, in, in the supermarket. But he makes it clear that the renewables don't work. They're not in a position to work. They can't... That if we're going to go down the road that he feels we have to go down, we're going to go down a road of much less energy consumption, lower energy intensity economies now for some people say in the extinction revolution and on the more thought out radical elements of green party politics they they've been honest for a long time no techno fixes no techno fixes and just way way too many people we need to get down this thing we either we either need to produce energy more efficiently or any reduction in emissions is going to mean reductions in living standards substantial reductions in living standards actually actually speaking of um of extinction rebellion did you see that one of their spokespeople just left extinction rebellion to become the spokesperson for a um pro-nuclear environmental group yeah they were on a they're having they're being interviewed by andrew neil and Andrew Neil can be a challenging interviewer, and Neil just basically put put it to them. Well, what are you going to go? What's your solution? It's all very well to say you can't do this and you can't do that. What's your solution? And in this case, this must be a slightly unusual human being because they actually said, "What is my solution? What are we going to do?" And he looked around, or she looked around, and came to the conclusion the only viable solution was nuclear power. 
but that's not part of the the orthodoxy obviously so off she went and now has become a hissing and a byword yeah she has a fantastic name zion lights oh god anytime i see her talked about in the newspaper just mrs lights like that can't be a real name it's too perfect now we know well we know we we see we've been told and again, even this in a very vague kind of way, that the significant levels of reduction are going to take place in the second half of the plan, which will be in, in another doll. Uh, I wonder, are Fine Gael going to pull the lever on this before we, could, before we actually get into the real business? Or are they going to just let the thing go on? I mean, do they, maybe they believe this. I don't, I don't know. It's it's hard to imagine, but that listen. I'm just picking on one issue. It, one of the issues, another issue that's going to be contentious is the issue of agriculture, right? If no matter how they put it, and they want to be nice and they want to speak out about sides of the mouth, the Greens are committed to a significant reduction in the herd size in Ireland, right? They're also looking at significant changes to the way that agriculture is practised. And at a time when farms are going towards being larger and larger and more and more intensive, that, that, that they, they, want to be, they want to move away from that. Lower yields, less intensivity, less use of chemicals, less use of hydrocarbons. At the same time, Fianna Fáil are talking about higher levels of investment, higher levels of support for agriculture and for the rural economy. I don't know how you're going to square that particular circle, but I my suspicion is that as you try, it's going to involve a lot of money. But again, there's no no sense of any kind of costing of it again. Oh, by the way, you were talking, you're you saying about uh, housing. Did you see that... Uh, the proposal for the co-living there had been a, 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 a board planola had given permission for a co-living development i think in north dublin anyway uh, they went to, to it was appealed i think for judicial review and it's gone 200 odd living units you know god i mean you can't have people going on building things gary you know, it's much better just to sit back and complain bitterly about the terrible state of the the housing market in Dublin and the cost of rental and the numbers of people who are homeless. That's a far more reasonable position than actually allowing people to build buildings that people might live in. Well, I mean, what we'll need to do now is we'll need to rebrand co-living as something else and then support it. Community social living. Hmm, I think I think that might be that might be good enough to get the Fianna Fáil stamp of approval. And then actually, do you know who we've we've forgotten to we actually there's a couple of ministers we haven't actually mentioned anything about. Who that? Minister for Higher Education and Innovation, Simon Harris. Yeah. I is that a joke? Like I don't mean obviously he has gotten that position. But is that like some internal Finnegale joke? It 
does sound like some kind of an in joke, doesn't it? Like you're very popular, so we can't get rid of you, or we don't want to get rid of you because the media likes you. Uh, but at the same time, here have this. I, you know, sometimes actors or are sports people who have to go through this whole series of press interviews and press conferences in order to entertain themselves, have little bets with each other that you can't, that you, when you use, when you're answering a question, you have to use the lyrics of a song or something from a particular musical or a play or something like that, you know? And most of the people watching, obviously, it goes over their head. They just think, oh, that sounds odd. But there's half a dozen guys on the inside pissing themselves, laughing at it. I have a feeling it's a bit like that. There's a bunch of guys in Fine Gael got together and said, you know, hold on, hold on, hold on. on. I've a, I a good one, I've a good one, right? Harris is going to be out of health, right? How about we make we, we put him in charge of higher education? And they all roll, they all roll around laughing. Uh, not in, obviously, toners these days or Dodney's because they're close. But wherever, whatever zoom meeting they were doing this at they all roll around laughing i think that's what we'll do and it, it ended up somehow managed it ended up being confirmed as policy oh yeah i mean simon harris didn't graduate from college he he studied i think journalism in dit but dropped out to go into politics also the department he's been told to lead doesn't exist yet yeah so higher education and innovation is um is not a thing. It's being made a thing. Simon Harris, Helen McEntee, Justice. I think most people are happy with that actually. We don't we don't have an AG, do we? Or do we? Uh, I actually don't know if they've appointed one. The last I heard about the AG, they were agreeing that they were going to um that was also going to rotate which some people seem to think was ridiculous, but I suppose if the AG is giving advice directly to the Taoiseach, he kind of needs to be the Taoiseach's man. I, I, I think they have appointed an AG. I just cannot remember who it is. Then we had uh, the very positive m- movement in the appointment of the 11 Taoiseach's nominees to the Shannon. Oh yeah, yeah. I um, I've, I mean, it could be politely described as a progressive move, and more realistically described as a incredibly open move to jinx the gender uh, breakdown figures. Eleven nominees, nine of them are women. You know, I felt that, you know it was a lack of imagination, and one of them is Timmy Dooley. So and the other one is and the other is it's Vincent Martin. So anyway, moving on. What's the what's the phrase there, Michael? Swivel-eyed loon. <laughs> Vincent's a very nice guy. Um, have Have you seen a picture? Like you've you've seen him? Oh, I know Vincent. Well, I'm sure Vincent doesn't remember but Vincent. If it's the same Vincent Martin, I remember, and I'm sure it is. Vincent was head of the students' union when I was in I was in a student in Maynooth. So swivel-eyed loon. Well, I think he was a... I'm not sure if he was a trot or a Maoist. 
It's a swivel-eyed loon. Maybe he wasn't. Like, you, you're, you're finessing this, but we all know that at the end you're just going to go, yeah. Maybe he wasn't. Joe Kane. Was he into poetry? He does have a poetry page on his website. And you know what? Okay, so I kind he was, of he was a Maoist or a Trotskyite with a love of poetry. He's a swivel-eyed No, loon. no, no, no. He, for a start, there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that he is either a Maoist or a Trotskyite today. I'm speculating that from my memory of student politics and maneuvers back in the second half of the 1980s, most of the students' union, there is a possibility. And I don't want to slander the man. But he... I have a vague memory that after Joe Kane, somebody was elected who had connections to Fianna Fáil. Like, but I don't want to suggest that was that, that was Vincent because obviously that would leave us wide open to a savage defamation case to suggest that. But it was it was a fun time and it was student politics, Gary. Nobody gave a flying f about it except the people who were involved in it. But and they were just brilliantly good fun. I mean, it was just such micro levels of splits you know the people's front of judea and the the, the judean people's front and all, it was just fantastic stuff timmy dooley uh, timmy is um very, timmy is timmy timmy is timmy indeed it's a miracle the people of claire didn't choose to now, send him only to the interesting door. thing i i think in no way was it surprising that they just threw as many women as they can from this well, you're not disappointed that they shit. didn't go for the full 11. I mean, I you know, go for the cricket team. I mean, you tell Timmy Dooley to put a dress on, he'll put a dress on. Absolutely. So, like, if you tell him it'll get him back out of the Shannon into the doll, he'll he'll put the makeup on as well. Timothy Dooley. Uh, I am... No, well, because the, the Greens... Yeah. You had to split between three people, so getting getting all of them to agree on only women was going to be very difficult because they're taking a lot of shots for not having a uh, gender equal cabinet, which I you know think is a, is a sign of the end of all things and the death of competency. But you know, no one agrees with me on that, so I can I can accept that. Well, uh, I just think it's it shows. A lack of imagination and a lack of real commitment to social justice and to intersectionality. Well, I don't give a shit about either of those things, Michael. No, I I know you don't, but I'm saying that the parties, I mean, I'm disappointed that we didn't see more of a representation from Fianna Fáil, for example, that we have real, uh, I don't know, what would you call it? Is it sex or gender or what is it? Like... How many bisexuals are in the cabinet? How many? How many gay people? How many lesbians? So, just you're you're a Fianna Fáiler. Um, who is who is who is Norma Foley? Like here, here's what I know about her. I know she's first elected in 2020, which means meteoric rise to the cabinet. She was a county councillor from the 90s. Where I had heard about her before is in uh, she she couldn't get the she tried to get um a nomination in 2016 couldn't get it where is she she's in Kerry oh yes so do you remember there was that trouble where there was a third Finna Faller yeah. added to that was her 
That was horror, right? There you go. The Empire Strikes Back. So I assume from that she's she's FFHQ's person. Because that's what it looks like. That's what it has. But I know, I, know, I know nothing about her. I know nothing about her capabilities. I know nothing about what she believes, what she thinks, who she is. So I don't know. She could be a fantastic Minister for Education. Um... She's going to have know. a fun time of it too, by the way. I mean, her father is Dennis Foley, so well respected in Fianna Fáil anyway. Gini. Like we're obviously talking about health and housing as the two ticking toxic, dirty bombs in this program, but you know, the opening up of the schools is going to be a nightmare as well. Interesting thing about her father, Dennis Foley. Yeah. My understanding is he is the first TD to ever be punished for breaching the Ethics in Public Office Act. Oh, well, it's nice to remember. Do you remember remember. the Ansbacker affair? I do, I do. That was her father. He was caught with an Ansbacker account. He was. He became an independent TD for a while. There you go. Now, the amusing thing there is that he was on the Public Accounts Committee. Okay. Um, I think, now I'm not 100% sure on this, I think he was on it when they were starting to bring the Ansbacker guys in. And uh, That can't have been comfortable. <laughs> it's just sort of, I wish to leave now. <laughs> I've never come back. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just popping out. I may be gone sometime. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's all good, 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 clean. Fun. I mean, with Barry Cohen's on agriculture and Cohen, sorry, Barry, I don't know why I keep calling him Cohen. Barry Cowan, agriculture and fisheries. You really Barry. confused me earlier when you uh, you referred to him as I. I heard not Barry Cowan, but Ari Cohen. I think I was thinking of Leonard Cohen. I, I think God, who is a very different person than Barry Cowan. In fact, I would be shocked if there's many similarities between them at all. Well, the Cowans sing. I, I presume, I don't know if Barry sings. I know his brother had a fine voice. He used to great effect at times. So, yeah. how, uh, how do you think uh, our new chief whip is feeling right now at his, uh, at his fantastic promotion? Yeah, is, is it what you call a promotion? Derek Leary goes from, you know, he's got a cabinet. He's 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 at, he's at the cabinet. He gets, but he's he's the chief whip. He goes to cabinet, but I'm not sure if he's a voting member. Yeah, he gets some additional money. Oh, more money, definitely. Chief whip gets a good few quid. Yeah, I mean, it's a promotion. Is it the promotion that he would have liked to have gotten? Mm. Eh. Is it in fact? A slap in the face. Half a loaf is better than no bread. Yeah, you say that though. But mm, depends who's giving you the half a loaf, I think. Well, you could be you could be the likes of like poor old Noel Rock not even getting a nomination for the Shannon. Now that was interesting. Noel Rock not being put forward the Shannon was something interesting. Because a lot of the Fina Gaylers like him. He's from like he is from a lower working class thing, uh, socioeconomic uh, domicile and he worked his way up and they were able to go look you know it's 
one of those people in the blue shirts, aren't we? Fantastic. Yeah, he was. And, the, he, the, and he wasn't the worst. He's the last um, representative of of something that had existed historically, which is a, a kind of a a, a blue collar blue shirt, but. Whether or not I this was made for political reasons, I don't know. But a lot of people I know think that this effectively has meant that they have ceded their chances of a seat there, and that Fianna Fáil will, will pick that up. I there were there were boundary changes there, and then there was this one at least one seat of death, and I think he lost a lot of his votes from going one side one to the other. I don't know, but. Uh, it's, uh, I'm sure, very disappointing for Noel, and, I, and also a surprise for everybody else. If there's a coup attempt, who's going to feed the winning side information from the other side? <laughs> if, if the rock isn't there, oh, okay. I don't see there being any coups for the time being. Yeah, but you plan ahead. I mean, you know, and you don't want someone who's inexperienced at that sort of thing when you need it. This is true. You want someone, you want a steady hand on the tiller, a man who knows how to do it. Yeah, and you know, can say he definitely didn't do it before. Absolutely. I never, never, never did. Never did. Anyway. Well, and then he'll just electronic scooter away. I suppose the thing is, Gary, all we can do is sit back in our comfortable seats on the sideline and await the pleasures to come. And I'm sure that it will be lovely. I mean, you know what? We've had a rainbow government before. They all ended up loving each other and being very chummy and getting on tremendously well. And everybody's very surprised. And in the North, Ian Paisley and Martin McGuinness ended up being, was it the Chuckle Brothers, they called them? So this, this may turn out to be a similar kind of experience. I can't personally see it as being an enormously positive one for Fianna Fáil, but you never know. Maybe Mihal will just play an absolute stormer. And if nothing else, I mean, after all the negativity that I was evincing earlier, the fact that the Taoiseach is the leader also of Fianna Fáil is a message, I suppose, to the voter, listen, we are here still. We are a serious outfit. We matter. You can vote for us. We are a possibility. And that there was a th- maybe a worry that they were simply being discounted and forgotten and nobody had them on the list of, well, will I go for this X, Y, or Z? And by simply the fact that the Taoiseach is a Fianna Fáilor, that will be reversed. But... I suggest that we, uh, we take it. We take a wait, a watching brief, Gary, on this. And Michael, if it doesn't go well, and this effectively signals the end of Finnafall as a party, as it's replaced by Sinn Fein nearly entirely, we can then take the reports that Michal Martin will commission when he is Taoiseach, and we can build some sort of Taj Mahal-like structure uh, to house the corpse of the party in a mausoleum. A pyramid style, rather than a, a, maybe it would be would be easier to construct, but something we like can that. use. We can use that site up at the M fifty that we're going to build the children's hospital on. Yeah, because we're going to need the uh, the acres. We're going to need because space. I mean, 
That man, when he was Minister of Health, was bad enough for a committee. Now he's got everything? I mean, there's going to be... Re- consultants are going to make a killing. It's a good time to be a consultant. And we are, by the way, available for consultancy on a whole range of issues. In fact, whatever you want to consult on, we will consult. So don't don't be shy. Anybody wants to get on to us from the government or from any one of the government constituent parts, you know, we're an awful lot more reasonable than you think. I mean, money-wise, I don't mean opinion-wise. We're utterly unreasonable when it comes to that. No, but we say with confidence, so you'd be surprised what you can get away with if you can stick with that. Absolutely. Anyway, I suppose it's Sunday, so we shouldn't keep the people indoors too much. Tomorrow is the great release, so people have to get ready for their trips to their caravans and their mobile homes scattered around the country. Is it a bank holiday? No, but I'm told, I was asking around locally here, that all of the caravan parks are booked from Monday. Jammers. Dublin is about to descend on, is descending on Wexford. And I imagine they're going to be descending on large parts of Kerry and Galway also. People have been set free from their homes in which they've been contained for months. And their first thought has been to go to a very small version of that home. With a swimming pool. I mean, Court Town is not freedom, Michael. No, but Ballymoney is. Court Town is like a lower... You know the way they say that Florida is God's waiting room? <laughs> Court Town is like a low-rent Irish version of that. No, no. Court Town is God's A&E. <laughs> That's also true. Anyway. Listen, we let you go. We, we are back on... When are we back? Are we back talking or are we back interviewing next we've we've an interview on friday but we are back on wednesday wednesday very good uh so until then i suppose stay safe mind yourselves and if you're coming down to wexford stay behind the barbed wire and don't try and socialize with the locals we don't want to touch you other than that stay safe and enjoy your time also some of them much like badgers still have tb (laughs) Bye-bye. All the best.